Now in its seventh year, the Landscape Show is back. Wednesday, May 22nd at Sandown Racecourse. The Landscape Show is the epicentre of a concentrated gathering of landscape designers, architects, residential and commercial contractors and decision makers seeking the latest innovations and forging invaluable connections. Whether you're an exhibitor showcasing groundbreaking concepts and solutions or an attendee on the hunt for the hottest trends, this trade show is your ticket to growth, innovation and making those connections that truly matter. Don't miss The Landscape Show. Sandown Racecourse, May 22nd, 8am to 3pm. Register at thelandscapeshow.com.au Hi, I'm Darren Bradbury from Mint Landscape Design and you're listening to The Front Garden. Welcome to The Front Garden, brought to you by Botanics Plant Supply. Producing quality trees and shrubs for every landscape. Hello and welcome to The Front Garden, a podcast brought to you by Landscaping Victoria Master Landscapers. I'm Chris Weiss and sitting across from me today, as always, is the wonderful Tyson Owen. Hello, sir. How are we? Yeah, really good, thanks. How are you, Trevor? Very good, mate. I'm very good. Very excited today. We've got a Lady sitting at the end of the table yes. here. Who are we chatting to? Yes, uh, Justine Osborne from San, uh, rather SunSmart Cancer Council Victoria. Hi. Justine, sorry I got that out eventually. But That's okay. <laughs> welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, Justine, can you tell us a little bit about uh, SunSmart and the uh, you know primary goals of promoting sun safety? Absolutely. <laughs> so as the name suggests, SunSmart is about being smart in the sun. Essentially, we all love being outdoors. We've got great spaces to be. And people like you make those spaces even nicer. But when we're out there, we need to be mindful that there are risks. And one of those risks is ultraviolet or UV radiation. It's the part of the sun you can't see, you can't feel, but it can really do some heavy-duty damage. The good news is you can prevent that heavy-duty damage by being sun smart, by doing certain steps to prevent that UV reaching the DNA in your skin cells because it really can mess it around. And if you've had some damage in the past, then it's really important to not only prevent further damage, but to be mindful of what your skin is doing and be mindful of any changes that might occur so that you can get them checked out, because the sooner you detect something, the better the potential yeah. outcome. I feel like we've just done the podcast in, in, the, in the intro. That's it. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. That's it just in a dude, nutshell. Thanks, shut, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Two minutes. That's a personal best, I think. Let's go to lunch. Um, going back a step, Justine, we'll, we'll get into the, all of that in more detail. But yes. With, with regards to the organisation, yes. tell us a bit about the organisation. and. Um, sure. Yeah. So Cancer Council Victoria is a non-government, not-for-profit organisation. Our reason for being is to look at what causes cancer, so prevention programs, and to share those prevention education programs with the community. We have a lot of research um, into cancer and into behavioural research as well, and we also have support programs. So people that are affected by cancer, people that have questions about it can call our support 131120 number. Lovely. And is there education? Does that start at schools, primary schools, or we do have the Golden Sun Smart Schools and Early Childhood Program? We were one of the first states in the country to run the program. It's quite an award-winning program, and 
We've got different countries across the world that replicate it. So it means that we've gone from back in the 80s, schools that weren't really addressing sun protection, but when we know better, we can do better. So we've got close to 90% of schools and early childhood services that are voluntary members of the program, which means they implement a comprehensive evidence-informed policy about hat wearing, Mm. shady environments, school uniform, popping on sunscreen, learning about why we need to be sun protective. It's a really essential information if you live in this country. Yes. Yeah, I know my kids aren't allowed to play school. Uh, What's it called? Recess and lunchtime if they haven't got their hat on. Well, it's about making sure that when you do go out, you're safe. You're doing it in the safest possible way. Mm. My youngest one has a fit if you put a hat on when she goes outside. (laughs) It's one of those weird things, but. No, that's not ingra- weird. It's that's obviously awesome. ingrained into her, but uh, <laughs> do you want to cut that out, Tyson? No, no, no. I stand by my statement. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen her do the meltdown, so you'll you'll know when it happens. But uh, so it, that that's at a school level. What about after that? Is it, is there a, a workplace level that we have something in place? We do have a workplace education program. Okay. For people who work outdoors, it's really important to be mindful of the hazard of UV. Mm. Uh, the skin cancer risk is real. But, um, you know, a few minutes of getting yourself ready for a sun protective day can save you months of pain down the track. Mm. Very important that people address the occupational health and safety hazard and put measures in place to protect themselves and anyone that they're working with or for um, is, you know, an important thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. You would have seen a shift. Um, We used to have a lot of, Pops off days and Justine mm. might want to block your ears when you listen to this. But yeah, <laughs> this was when we were an apprentice. Things were very relaxed, not relaxed, but it was obviously um, things have gotten a lot better. It wasn't, we, we it wasn't in front of mind at all. What was no. it? What, it's a top soft top day? Soft, so you, it was a hot day. You would take your shirt off and oh, just get a really good tan oh, on your back. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, no. It used to be a top deck because you'd have a white front and a black yeah. back. Yeah, well, well, you did. I'm pink, so I've, I've got a red back like a lobster. Back in the day, that was what yeah. people did. But these days, we no. know better, really. Oh, totally. yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And I feel we, like we knew better then and we still did it. It was, it was, cool. a, but it's, it's a lot better today. It is a lot better today. And look, we're yes. seeing a decline in melanoma rates in people under 50 who have grown up with the SunSmart okay. messaging. So we mm. know that we have really good compliance in younger people. We might lose people for a little bit for a few years and then they come back, particularly mm. when they're new parents themselves. But we yep. need to make I'm sure. One of those people. Yeah. yeah well, we need back. to make sure we've got that consistency. Mm. I mean, it's an easy thing to do. And skin cancer is one of the most preventable, but it's also one of the most common. Mm. And a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, everybody's got it. You just get it cut out. It's not quite that simple. No. Mm. And also UV is really aging. So if you're not continue, you know, Tell worried about skin cancer, <laughs> then it really does age the skin mm. dramatically. Mm. So it's a great sun protection skincare routine. Yeah, my wife is in the beauty industry and... For those of the listeners out there who have seen the look of my head, they understand that um, she's just constantly like, you're an idiot. It's the sun has done this to you. You're, you're like uh, a weathered old boot. Yeah. And, uh, and but every day she's, she's putting on sunscreen. And, oh, well, she's you know, probably blind, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> We've got this thing called a UV damage viewer. So it uses low-level UV light so you can see the deeper layers of the skin. Yeah. And we take it to events or workplace education sessions. And people – pop their head in and there's a mirror that they can see themselves. Yep. 
And it is quite an eye-opener because in Mm. normal natural light, you don't see all the damage that has accumulated over the years. But when you put your head into this UV box, Mm. you see it. Mm. And it is really interesting and quite eye-opening, as I mentioned. Um, And when we take it out to construction sites or, you know, outdoor worker places, you can see that they have worn potentially a baseball cap because their forehead is pristine. There is not a mark on their forehead, but their cheeks, their ears, their nose, their chin is completely covered with pigmentation and freckling. Yep. It's like, well, if you could do that with your hat, mm. why didn't you protect the rest of your face? I'm so glad you didn't bring one of those things in today. <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've done one of those things and it was a yeah, you mm. sort of look and go, Jesus, like it's a It yeah. is very confronting because you see yourself in the mirror each day and mm. you're not seeing what that UV damage viewer shows. Yeah. Is that reversible? No. Other than no, your, Botox or whatever it is. your <laughs> skin is like an elephant. It never forgets every UV exposure, every sunburn over the years. So healthy cells um, can potentially repair themselves, but yep. if you're constantly exposed to UV over time, it really adds up and it doesn't go away. So we're talking, yeah, wide brim hats, long sleeve or three-quarter sleeve. Yeah, look, you really want clothing... You want to create a barrier between your skin and the sun's UV in any way that you possibly can. So it is about that covering clothing. Try and get a fabric that's UPF rated, mm-hmm. preferably 50 or 50 plus. If you can't find that, typically if you hold the fabric up to the light, if it lets a lot of light through, it'll probably let a lot of UV through as well. So you want a densely woven fabric covering as much skin that fits comfortably on you. You don't want the fabric to be stretched. You want it to allow ventilation, so airflow, so it's cooling. And you want a collar, long sleeves, long trousers, which is actually better for being outdoors as well because you don't know what's out there and Mm. ready to bite Mm. at you as you're digging in the ground. Um, Potentially gardening gloves, Mm. if you can. Mm -hmm. And then the wide-brimmed hat. Wide-brimmed hats are great because you can add the the netting, so for mosquitoes and flies and help with that. And you want to create a veranda around your head, essentially. Yeah. The UV is going to reach you directly, but it's also going to be reflected and scattered. So the hat alone is not enough. When it's reflected and scattered, you want the sunscreen on your face to help protect as well, and then sunscreen on any parts that you can't cover with the clothing. Yeah, right. Okay. And as far as a sunscreen is concerned, I mean, just any run-of-the-mill cheap brand will do or what do you? You know, it's not based on price. Okay. Any sunscreen is good. Australia has really strict standards when it comes to sunscreen. Mm -hmm. We have the Australian Standard Therapeutic Goods Administration regulates what ingredients can go into sunscreen. So you're looking for a sunscreen that's an SPF 30 or higher. Mm -hmm. Most sunscreens on the market today are 50 or 50 plus. Yep. I'd go with a 50 plus. You want it to be broad spectrum, which means it's protecting from UVA and UVB. You want it to be water resistant because you're obviously going to be sweating and doing bits and pieces. And you want it to be within its expiry date and you want to store it below 30 degrees, not in the glove box of the car. Uh, Try and maybe store it in mm, your lunch box. Guilty. So then it stays cool when you reapply. Yes. The key to sunscreen is not the price, as we mentioned. It's about ensuring all of those factors are on mm. the label. Yep. 
It's about applying it 20 minutes before you go outside. So make it part of your morning routine. And here it is. You've got to reapply every two hours. Mm. Oh, not four. The four hours is about the water resistance level. Right. Not the reapplication time. If you turn to the back and there's directions written yeah. in fine print on the back, yep. they will always recommend to reapply every two hours. Botanics Plant Supply is a wholesale nursery dedicated to the production of high-quality trees and shrubs. Offering competitive prices, they supply a large range of native, exotic, deciduous and evergreen stock to commercial and domestic landscapers, developers, councils and planting contractors. Botanics offers daily delivery services throughout metropolitan Melbourne and can arrange regional and interstate deliveries with specialist plant carriers. As a gold partner of Landscaping Victoria Master Landscapers and sponsor of The Front Garden, Botanics are proud supporters of the landscaping industry. For more information, visit botanicsplantsupply.com.au. That's B-O-T-A-N-I-X plantsupply.com.au. Is that a marketing thing? And is Sunspart looking at that to say you've got to stop saying because my even my kids are like no that no, says four hours. I mm. know it's quite an issue, Surprising, and it is yeah. something that we've tried to work. You know when they create the new standards mm. and new labelling guidelines. Yes, we are trying Surely. to encourage that. That information isn't on the front of the pack. The, the TGA won't allow them to advertise over fifty plus. That's why they've got fifty plus. So there's there are ones that'll go well well past the 50 mark sort of thing, but they didn't, they're not allowed to advertise that because it's... The standard is 50, 50 plus. Yeah. And so mm. even our 30s back in the days were, you know, really very good. Yeah. But it's important to remember that sunscreen <clears throat> is a screen, not a block. Yeah. It will always let a bit of UV through. Mm. If you apply it correctly, you have a chance of getting the protected level that's stated on the bottle. Yeah. If you don't apply it correctly, you have no chance of that. You really need to apply equivalent to about a teaspoon per limb. Yep. Mm. So those those spray bottle ones are probably not the the best. Most of the spray is going in the air. Yeah. Mm. In your nose. Um. You don't know how much you're getting on you, so yeah, we yeah. don't recommend the aerosols. The aerosols. Are, yeah. We had a bad experience with that. Just didn't work with our kids and like. Yeah, my sister-in-law actually somewhat got burnt worse in a, in a way, and I think it was just the fact that she sprayed herself and figured that. I'm good to go and I'm, I can sit out here for a couple of hours. Yeah, and, and you, you you really do need quite a layer on mm-hmm. there. Um, sunscreens either absorb or reflect or work, you know, do both. Mm. But you do need a solid layer to do its job properly and then you need to reapply. It won't last yeah. all day and it won't last four hours. So going, That's crazy. Putting it in landscaping terms, I suppose the biggest thing would be there that leaving it out in the sun, like I often see a big five-litre tub, Sitting in the back of a, you know, uh, on the backyard, on the back porch, just getting smashed by the sun. Uh, Expiry dates are a big one. I never knew that until we had another experience with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I think the reapplying, but layering it on, I'm just wondering whether you're better off. A lot of the golfers now are wearing almost like a skin material. Yes, a sleeve. sleeve. Honestly, you know, clothing is your best line of defence. Yep. And then for the parts of skin that you can't cover with clothing, you use the sunscreen as your backup plan. Mm. So the clothing is key. And a lot of people say, well, I get too hot if I'm covered. Mm. 
hydration is the key to keeping cool. Mm. But you look overseas in the oh, in the in the Middle East, and they they all wear long pants, long shirt. Just to, I think it actually. Well, is it, is Australia cool. geographically unique in that sense? Like, how, how do we? Obviously, we're known. Uh, and on the world scene for skin cancer and sun damage and things like that. We're, we've got a pretty bad reputation in that sense. But we do, but as you pointed out, culturally- I was going to say, is that a culture we thing? We expose, uh, you know, we've got quite a large fair-skinned population. Yep. We've mm. got this amazing, wonderful outdoor space. We have clear skies, clean skies. Mm. We have intense UV levels in this country. So with the elliptical orbit of the earth and the angle- that's we are actually a little bit closer <laughs> to the sun in our summer in the Southern Hemisphere than the Northern Hemisphere's gotcha. summer. So not all of those factors combined mean we do get intense UV and then we've got a culture where we get out and about, absolutely, mm. but it doesn't mean we have to sort of expose every square inch of skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we cover up, we can really make the most of that wonderful outdoor lifestyle and the great outdoor spaces your people are creating. Mm. What about some common myth, myths and misconceptions? I mean, I'm thinking um, well, darker that's a, that's skin. Well, that two-hour one shook me. I, I, I thought it was four hours. If it says it's water resistant oh, right. for four hours, then surely it's, you're covered for four hours. But yeah. that's yeah. a I yeah, – yeah. I mean, Who common. cares about water resistance when, <laughs> when it's not doing anything? Get yeah. It is very misleading. Yeah. yeah. So what else have we got? What were you well, going to say? Dark got, skin? If you've got a darker skin employee or yourself, uh, are they, you know, a lot less likely? Yeah. Look, if you've got skin, UV can reach it. Mm. Obviously, the um, degree of risk changes across your skin type. Mm. So fairer skin types have a higher level of risk. Darker skin types have a lower level of risk. But all skin types can it's definitely be affected. Yeah. And when you're working outdoors all day, you don't have a break from UV. Mm. So mm. it's really important to protect from UV for all skin types. And what about any other myths, myths out there you'd like to bust? Ah, uh, that you only need sun protection when it's hot. Yeah, yep. okay. Bum, bum. Mm. No. <laughs> so cloud cover and things like that come into play. It, it, so UV can't be seen and felt. Yep. So UV can be extremely high on cool and cloudy days or warm and sunny days, Mm. it's not based on air temperature. It's based on time of year. And when it's in Victoria from about mid-August right through to the end of April, maybe mid-May, depending on which part of Victoria, UV levels are going to be high. So for the general population, we need to use sun protection whenever the UV is three or more. Mm -hmm. So if the index hits three, cover Mm. up from UV. But if you're outdoors all the time working in UV, you should cover up all the time. So it's not just, oh, it's hot. I better get the sun protection gear out. It's, I'm outdoors. I better get the sun protection gear out. Yeah. Which is why you see all the road workers and union guys that are mm, fully, fully top covered. to toe covered. It's, uh, it's not only to protect them, but it's also to protect the business that's saying, well, we've, we've put this in place. Absolutely. To protect our workers. Absolutely. Mm. It's an all, important OHS issue. Mm-hmm. And it's an important personal issue as well. And you're also acting as role models for your family and for mm. the people you love. What responsibilities do us as employers have? So, OHS obligations, it's a duty of care to protect any workers mm. from any unforeseeable harm. Skin cancer, UV radiation is a known human carcinogen and a known harm. So it's very important to have measures in place. So not only the PPE that we've mentioned before, the clothing, 
the hat, having sunscreen available, sunglasses, making sure that they meet the Australian standard and have a UV protective clothing, coating rather. So it's not about the darkness of the lens, it's about the UV protective coating. And you want the sunglasses to have a wraparound style. But there's also safety glasses with a UV protective coating yep. as well. So look into that. Two for one. Then you also want to look at scheduling. So have a look at what you're doing for the day and the locations you're doing it. And can you reschedule certain things to earlier in the morning or later in the afternoon? Or can you build in some temporary shade mm-hmm. or um, choose the tasks that uh, in the middle of the day that have the, the greater shadier spots? Mm. Um, you're, you're looking at that. Considering photosensitizing substances as well. There's a mouthful. I'll try that again. Carson, can you explain that? <laughs> uh, vitamin A, I think, is photosensitizing. Photosensitizing is certain plants. So when you're dealing with <laughs> when you're dealing with different plants like mm. dill and fennel, lemon, lime, I'm forging ahead. Yeah, um, they actually create greater sensitivity to UV as well. So when you're a landscape gardener, a landscape designer, you were dealing with plants that are potentially adding to your really? sensitivity. Right. Absolutely. As in they reflect. As in when you've got them on you, you're sort of working with them, mm. that can actually cause more sensitivity to UV. Right. Wow. And you if go. you're driving around for a lot of the day, yeah. the UV is coming through your vehicle as well. Yeah, so, it's a common thing with truckies. The, the truckies arm, they've always right got the one side of their face or their arm mm. that's um, yeah. you know, sun damaged and the other side's pristine because it doesn't see the light of day. That's right. The front windscreen is quite protected. It's laminated glass, very good protection, but the side windows have less UV protection. Mm. So if you are out and about all day in your vehicle doing visits and quotes and things like that, you need to be mindful of using sun protection even in the car or think about window tinting. Your Bentley's got tinting, hasn't it, Tyson? <laughs> uh, it does, but it doesn't get out very much. So yeah. it's, I and <laughs> don't forget, in the garage. <laughs> all of these things with regards to PPE and workplace mm. things are tax deductible because you need them for work. With that, so I'm thinking you you buy every employee a full kit, and I'm, I'm seriously going to look into the, the sleeves. I think they're more likely to do that than... Having to reapply because your your arms get sweaty. I think it's dirty. a great idea. Yeah, the dirt clings to your arms and things yeah. like that. It's, yeah, and I can imagine. Um, but but so you buy all of this and everyone gets their box of gear. How does the responsibility ever get passed from the employer to the employee? The the key responsibility lies with the employer to mm. set these rules in place yes. and to ensure that everybody understands why it's needed, how to use it. So yep. education policy is very important, and then the employees have a responsibility to meet those requirements. Mm. So they also need to step up and follow along. But ultimately, the employer sets the tone and what the expectations are. And polices it. But it's, no, it's no good saying, well, I've given you the gear, you're not wearing it, that's the end of it. No, that, that isn't that enough. That's not a, that doesn't a defense, cut it. if you like. Yeah. No. Okay. So it's like I need to be sure that I have informed everybody. Mm. I'm monitoring this. They know how to use it. They've informed me if there's an issue going on. Mm. Yep. I'm responsible for the health and well-being, and I'm responsible for ensuring that they're on board with this as well and stepping up and following along. 
And I think it's worth for the listeners out there who who haven't done it, um, getting a uniform policy in place and getting a SunSmart policy in place um, to have the the talk with the employees, sit them down and talk them through it, mm. have them sign off on it and say, look, this is what the expectation now is. Meet this expectation, otherwise you're in breach of your employment contract effectively. Um, so having those mm. policies in place to say, well, I, I'm going to give you the kit. If you don't use it, that's that's a strike one against you sort of thing. Um, like it means I'm <clears> going to have to restrict the kind of work that you do. I can't put you outside and essentially yep. this is an outside job, so we're yeah. in trouble here. Um, so we can certainly help with reviewing a policy someone's already got or helping you develop a policy. Okay. Uh, we have the education program as well, as I mentioned. So we can help you get people across the line. Mm. Um, we have great workplace educators that sort of go out there and deliver the messaging. And it's important that you bring people along with you so that they're not resistant to it, but they understand, okay, mm. this is going to help keep me in this job for longer mm. and keep me safe and as alive. I do so yeah. and keep me around for my family for longer. Mm. And that, that's the education part to a 20-something-year-old 20 male or female Who's invincible? Yep, and hasn't got a hasn't got a family. And no, no, I'm fine. I don't get. We, we don't get skin cancer. That's mm. right. That's so that's tricky. Education. So if it's a mm. if it's a personal choice, that can be tricky. Mm. But if it's a policy, true. There's no argument. You, we've got a, a series of policies here to keep you safe. Yep. Yep. This is not a choice anymore. No. And skin cancer will be one of the highest killing rates. You know, cancers in the country. I'd imagine. Yeah, more, um, we have the highest rates of skin cancer in the world. Mm. Over 2,000 people die from skin cancer each year, so it's not just something you get cut out. Yeah, mm. It can have deadly consequences. Yeah. If, if anyone wants to reach out and get in touch with you guys regarding those policies or the education, what, what, what's the best way to get in touch? So you can um, get onto our website, sunsmart.com.au. Yep. You can call 13 11 20, mm-hmm. get put through to SunSmart, or you can email us at sunsmart.com at cancervic.org.au. Easy done. I can't imagine it gets any easier than that, really. Botanics Plant Supply is a wholesale nursery dedicated to the production of high-quality trees and shrubs. They supply a large range of native, exotic, deciduous and evergreen stock to commercial and domestic landscapers, developers, councils and planting contractors. Botanics offers daily delivery services throughout metropolitan Melbourne and can arrange regional and interstate deliveries with specialist plant carriers. As a partner of Master Landscapers Victoria and sponsor of The Front Garden, Botanics are proud supporters of the landscaping industry. For more information, visit botanicsplantsupply.com.au. That's B-O-T-A-N-I-X plantsupply.com.au. I'm Paul Hamilton from Paul Hamilton Coaching and you're listening to The Front Garden with Chris and Tyson. Tyson, tell us about your experience with, with skin cancer and how that played out. Mm. Uh, I had uh, probably eight or nine years ago now, um, had a weird spot on my neck and me being the mid-20s hero of my own story, just sort of sitting there going, nah, it's nothing to worry about sort of thing. I couldn't see it. It was underneath my ear. Uh, I couldn't really see it. So my wife had sort of said, oh, that looks a bit weird. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine sort of thing and just kept going and probably went on for maybe two or three months of saying, no, no, it's fine. And it wasn't until I got out of the shower and it had really flared up into a different color when I was hot and things like that. 
So it was a very reactive really? sort of look. Um, and she's like, no, you need to get this looked at. Like, it's not looking good. Um, I was like, oh, okay, sort of thing. Didn't much of it. It's probably just some weird blemish that I've got. Um, How big is it made at this stage? <clears throat> it was pretty like a pea, like pretty small. It was like a pea size sort of thing. It wasn't risen or anything. Um, and so it, it, it was just a funny blotch, but it was very, um, not jagged on the edges, but very not, not smooth and rounded. Or, not or, symmetrical. Or, no, so. it wasn't yeah. like a freckle or a mole or anything yeah. like that. Um, and so I went to a, just went to one of those general. Um, mole uh, screening. Yeah, mole screening check places. Yeah. Went in and said, oh, you know, have a look at this. And said, oh, it looks a bit funny. I don't like the look of it. And did a whole, uh, basically stripped down to your undies and they, they look over every mm. spot and blemish that you've got. Um, a weird one that he said was actually on the underside of your feet. And yeah, your toes. Can be anywhere. Yeah. And he said it's it's common because if you lay on the beach and you lay on your stomach and mm. the underside of your feet, top heap of sun, you, you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't and put sunscreen you, on you there, would you? Sunscreen on the mm. soles of your feet. Um, but not only that, it can just pop up there and you don't, no one, how regularly do you check under your toes? Chris, I know you're a weirdo and you do that mm. quite often, but weekly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things. So, um, anyway, did a full body check. Everything else looked good. <clears throat> and he said, no, I, I, I really don't like the look of it. Um, I want to cut it out for a biopsy. I was like, okay, he's probably just been precautious sort of thing. Good on him sort of thing. Booked it in, had it cut out, um, handful of stitches. I hadn't told my wife by this stage, which was oh. probably an oversight. What do you mean you hadn't told her? Oh, it's kind of just easier because then I don't have to deal with it. You when know. you get a psychologist on, the <laughs> dig into this a little bit deeper. Not today. So got home and obviously had bandages on my neck and said, oh, okay, well, I booked this in, but, you know. Um, and I think it was like three or four days later, he came back and said, yeah, no, it's a, um, I can't remember the term, but it's a, like the early stage melanoma, like the really, really early stage. Um, it's only 0.3 of a millimetre deep. Um, I think once it gets to point, I think it went to, 0.8 or one millimetre or something, it can enter the bloodstream. So he's like, it's not, it wasn't deep enough to, to spread. Um, but he goes, who knows how quick this thing's growing. Um, so he goes, we've got to get you back in and, and take more out just to be, you know, I think they need to take five millimetres in all directions, take it yeah. out. So that's stage, go back in. And then my wife's like, yeah, see, I told you. I'm like, this is why I didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, Save it for the psychologist, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Got in, um, took a big, Big chunk out, had a big sort of um, staple, uh, not staples, but stitches down my neck. It looked like a like a pork roast. It was all bunched up and disgusting. But um, it's actually healed over. You can't even see it. I was going to so say, it good. No. is it noticeable now? No. No, there's a minor, tiny little scar there, but mm. no, not, not noticeable. And uh, sent that off for a biopsy, came back, and that was all in the clear sort of thing. Um, and so for 12 months after that, every, every two or three months, I'd have to go to the Peter McCallum Centre and get checked again, and they document every spot. They take photos of it and you get checkups and things mm. like that. And then uh, he's just like, after that, it was like every 12 months, every six to 12 months, get a checkup and just, just keep tabs of it, um, of all the other spots and everything. Not at the Peter McCallum Centre, though. This was at a, a just wherever mm-hmm. after that. And so, yeah, so I do that every every six to 12 months and, and get a checkup. I, I usually try and do it sort of before spring and then after summer. That way it's sort of just my reminder. Um, and then uh, I've had a couple of spots on my back, again, that they took out, came back all clear, but they were just like precautionary. looks a little bit funny. Not sure we'll do it just to be safe. Um, 
I've had, I think I've had two or three out of there. So if I get any more, I'm, I'm short as it is. So if I get any more out of my back and my neck, there's not going to be much left of me. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was a reality check. Like I, I was at the time 25 or something like that, 24. I was like, shit, what? you're not supposed to get melanomas at 24, 25. Yeah. Like you're supposed to deal with that when you're in your 60s, you know, like that's, a, that's an old man's thing. But um, it's not, it's a real thing. And I, I wasn't, I don't have the skin type to tan up. I know that. And you get burnt a handful of times in your youth and you go, well, I'm not doing that again. That's, mm. That sucks. Um, so I was never stupid with my exposure because there was no benefit. I, I, it takes me a while to tan. And in the meantime, I'm getting burnt and peeling mm. and, and hurting and all that. Um, <clears throat> and so I was never really stupid with it, but it still happened. Yes. And it still popped up. So that was the shock for me because I, I look at my mates and they're just like, like you said, Chris, Shirts off at work. Like I've got mates that are bricklayers, and they, mm. they roof, all the guys up on the roof, roof. tilers. Yeah, Jeez. my brother-in-law's a roof tiler, and he lives with his shirt off. And mm. and uh, and I'm like, I was nowhere near that exposure, you know. Right. And, it, and it still happened to me. So um, it's a real thing. It's and it's that that you know that when you're in your twenties, you've got that invincibility that you think, hey, but me, it'll, it won't happen to me, sort of thing. It'll happen later. And um, yeah, so the. Probably the uh, the doctor at the time when, when we got the, the final biopsy back, he said, look, mate, he goes, I don't want to throw you under the bus in front of your wife, but he goes, she probably saved your life. He goes, honestly, he goes, if that if you left that for another six months, he goes, I'm confident that would have grown deeper, gotten into your bloodstream and he goes, there's no guessing where it could have gone after that. Like, mm-hmm. He goes, it's just a, an endless search and rescue sort of thing. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so pretty lucky in that sense. Absolutely. Um, and it was a good knock on the head to just be like, hey, don't be a dickhead. Like, think about it. And now I'm – fortunately, my kids have got my wife's skin, so they are a little bit more resilient with it. But now I'm very paranoid about it, and it's like, you know, I've got a six-year-old. We go to the beach a lot, um, and I'm, I'm happy to be out in the sun for a little bit and then chill out in the shade. But now I'm, I'm pretty harsh with her where I'm like, hey, mm. you, you know, you've got, a, you've got a rash vest on? Cool. When was the last time we put sunscreen on her? Can we get a bit of zinc on her nose and things like that? And, mm. and uh, yeah, it's – Sort of at the front of the mind now. Yes. Um, the boys at work are probably a bit of a tougher nut to crack. <laughs> They're not my kids, so it's you don't hold as much authority, but you do have the sun the sun smart policies in place and the and the uniform policies. And if you sit there and go, "Hey guys, um, this is what we're now wearing, and this is what we're mm. now doing," and if you don't comply to that, then you're not doing your job. You know, that's as, it's as it's as cut it's and dry as option. that. Yeah, yeah. non compliance is not an option. Yeah, well, like you if, wouldn't if I, let them go out in thongs to do mm. the well, job. That, so that's the thing. If I if I want you to wear steel cap boots um, on site, you, there's no objections. That's just an expectation, and that's what you do. Now, if you rock up and think that you're going to work in thongs, as you said, well, no, you're going home. You're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the same mentality of, hey, this is what you're doing. I know it sucks, but it sucks a lot less than the other end of it. So, um, you know, fall in line, get it done, and, and it's not that big of a deal. So, It um, isn't a big deal. No. no. Yeah. But interestingly, you know, you mentioned your wife. Mm. Most skin cancers are actually found by people themselves or their loved ones, people yep. close to them, mm. like up to 70%. So it is about watching your own skin. I mean, your skin is essentially one large organ. Mm. And what happens in one part of that organ can affect another part of the organ. So you can get skin cancers in places the sun has never been. So that was a that was a misconception as well that you know you grow up thinking, um, well if I if I uh, 
my hands are always out in the sun. That's where that's where I need to look. You know, my my arms are and my arms and legs because I work in shorts and a t shirt every day, and mm. I'll just check my arms and my legs, and it's like, uh, no, 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 it can literally pop up anywhere. Um, you need to check everything. Yes. So. Does the does the cancer, <clears throat> let's say, you know, um, eventually originate here, but it can pop up? Is that how it works? Or so skin cancers are a little bit like an iceberg. Sometimes you know you've got this little thing that you see, mm. but deeper under the surface, the nasty is. stuff is happening, which is why you see those big scars and things. Mm. But sometimes if a skin cancer hasn't been detected and continues to grow, it can metastasize, which means it breaks off, the cells reach another organ and start to spread the cancer there. So some people don't find their skin cancer, get another kind of cancer, and then when they look into it, the primary cancer has been skin cancer, melanoma. Because mm. I, I think what, what Chris was sort of saying was like if you've got 20 hours of exposure on your leg, that just accumulates and goes to your overall exposure and it can pop up anywhere after that. Is that yes. kind of the gist of it? So the, yes. the mm. skin cancer doesn't have to start in that exposed area. No. It can, it's just a – think of it as like a clock winding backwards and you've got a certain amount of hours of exposure that you can have before skin cancer becomes a reality. Whether that exposure is on your face, your foot, hands, mm. your legs, whatever. Yes. It's all accumulative and it all so just works against it. For basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma, so there's this non-melanoma skin yep. cancers, they typically occur in places that have had a lot of sun. Mm-hmm. But melanoma can occur anywhere. Yep. It operates right. a little bit differently. So I think that was a big misconception growing up. Yeah. We were always under the impression that I didn't find clarity in that until after I'd already had it. And I was like, oh. Yeah, no so idea. some people, oh, well, I only need to put sunscreen on my face because I only want to protect my face. Yep. But mm. actually your skin is one whole thing. Mm. So sunscreen just on your face is not enough to protect your whole skin. Mm. There you go. Yeah, yeah. indeed. The wake-up call, isn't it? It is a little it bit. It is a wake-up call and it's quite scary, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit down. Let's t- well, we, so, <laughs> we talk about to bring well, these up a little bit. Tight. Off the back of that, what are uh, maybe – Maybe your top three sort of actionable steps that our listeners can maybe take today and and improve with their their overall sun safety. So to listen and learn from your story, I mean, thank you for sharing that. It's quite powerful. It does happen. It is happening, but it is highly preventable. Mm. And it's not too hard to wear a long sleeve shirt and trousers and apply sunscreen. It's Mm. quite easy fix. So prevention is the key. And then making sure that you monitor your skin and you're aware of your own skin. Some people think, oh, well, I just need to get my skin checked every 12 months and tick, done that. Skin cancer doesn't follow a screening program like bowel or breast, prostate. Mm -hmm. It's very different. So you might get your skin checked at a clinic or at your GP's one day and they say everything's looking great and the very next day, something could start to grow and change. And you're thinking, well, I've already done my check. I don't, I'm not going to go back for another year. Mm. In the meantime, it can take six weeks for melanoma to really do some major damage and be deadly. Yep. Mm. So you don't have the luxury of just waiting year by year. It's really important to monitor your own skin and to notice any changes, any new spots, any changes to your moles, freckles, change in shape, size, colour, 
anything that looks a bit different to other spots around it. Better to go and get it seen. So you go to your GP, say, hey, I'm a bit concerned about this particular spot. Can you check it out? Much better for them to say it is nothing to worry about than for them to say, why didn't you come and see me sooner? Mm. Don't keep putting it off. Mm. Um, Very important to get it checked straight away. And then um, the only other thing is you're a role model. Um, You also have OH&S obligations. So very important to put policies in place that protect everyone on the job Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to enjoy this great outdoor lifestyle. They put them in place and then in, well, not in, <clears throat> enforce is a strong word, but. I think education mm. is important. So you're doing it together. It's like, mm. okay, here's the issue we've got. What measures do we need to do to protect from that? Yep. People know. So bring them on board so that they are also making the suggestions. I think it's also just an expectation too. It's like you don't, you don't necessarily put in your policies that the boys can't have their radio blaring at seven o'clock in the morning in the middle of Malvern. But you certainly don't expect it, and so when mm. you show up on site, and if that's happening, you got to squash it. I guess. Um, I think it's just treated in the same thing. It just becomes an expectation of that's not the culture of our company. That's not what we're about. Yeah, don't do it here. And that's that's maybe the best way to. I think the perception also, not that you were doing it for that reason, but the perception from the client would be positive. Yeah, this company cares about their employees. It it yeah, makes massive. people look a lot more professional. Mm. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, for sure. Uh, what about incorporating shade and things like that in our designs? Is is that something that, um, you know, obviously the, there would be a, a SunSmart benefit to that. But um, That's a great idea. Shade is really an important element to landscape design and outdoor spaces. So not only is shade really important from a UV protection perspective, but also helps with heat mitigation and thermal comfort. Mm. So. As we mentioned earlier, UV can reach you directly, but it's also reflected and scattered. And there's certain surfaces and certain materials that reflect more UV than others. So typically more natural, dark-coloured, rough surfaces reflect less UV than shiny, man-made, uh, light-coloured, smooth surfaces. Yep. So think soil mm. versus concrete, mm-hmm. natural wood versus white painted wood, soil may reflect about um, 4% of UV. You know, a concrete path is reflecting 22% back at you. So you're not only getting that direct UV, but you're getting another heavy dose reflected back. Mm. So when you're creating the outdoor spaces, think of all of those natural materials you can utilise, not only better from a heat and UV perspective, but also from a sustainability and climate perspective. And I think it gives your design that edge because you're keeping the family safe in lots of different ways. And a heat, I'm sorry, a a shaded garden, a shaded area means you can continue to use that space. Mm. Otherwise, it's like, well, I've got this beautiful space out there, but it's too hot or it's too glary. Mm -hmm. We don't use it at this time of day. But if you incorporate shade, you're ensuring that people are continuing to use the space be connected to the space, um, you know, trees and natural shade filter the air mm-hmm. and the pollens and things in the air as well. So it's really quite a healthy utilisation of the space. 
And I think it gives you that edge, as I mentioned, when you say we're addressing all of these health and well-being issues so that you can fully use that space. I don't know if you're familiar with the Which Tree Where website, whichplantwhere.com.au. No, no. It's a really great <clears throat> tool for plant selection. So there's various criteria that you can input. Uh, you can input your location and it will come up with different tra- um, tree species that you could use and that will be sustainable in that space. Oh, right, okay. So you might say, really, I want a great tree that is um, allergen-friendly but really shady and, you know, does well in this kind of soil, and it will give you a list of different trees to consider. There's definitely been a shift from a design perspective, though, on that already. And maybe, as you were saying before, that this generation has grown up with SunSmart, Slip Slop Slap um, campaign. Mm -hmm. When you ask someone, you know, how important is it for you to have some space inside your pool area for sun baking? Like, oh, no, no one's going to, we wouldn't mind some space, but what, how can we cover that? Because we're not going to sit out in the sun. Yeah. So it's really, uh, there's certainly a shift in that. Rarely yeah. does someone go, yeah, we want to sit out there all day with coconut oil on <laughs> and absolutely bake ourselves, <laughs> which is great. I did have an apprentice who oiled himself up one time. Oh. You know? yeah. Nip that in the bud. <laughs> <laughs> what does that smell? Uh, hang on a second. It smelled like raspberry and it was all glistening. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> you look like a stripper. What's going on? Save that for inside. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, no, you're right. And I, there, there's been a massive culture shift now. So Huge. I think um, it's really good. Yeah. Well, and it's more aesthetically pleasing, more yeah. comfortable to be yeah. in, aesthetically pleasing. Uh, the green spaces have been known to be better for mental health. So mm. there are so many boxes you can tick yeah. by the design of that space. Fantastic. Absolutely. What about one, or not necessarily one message, but what would you want to uh, leave the listeners with today? Um, some of the key points or something we haven't covered yet? Well, I would. Ask, require, encourage people to be sun smart. So being sun smart is, as we mentioned at the very beginning, Mm. being smart with the sun. So taking full advantage of our wonderful outdoor spaces, but just do it in a very safe way. So protect yourself from UV and monitor your skin. And early detection as well, yeah. Early detection, following up. Yep, monitor the skin. Keep tabs. Watch out. Keep a look for it. Not only for you, but for friends around you as well. That's great. Easy Thank done. you. Thank you, Justine. Thank, Thank you for you. coming in. Thanks Appreciate your time. Thanks very much. If there's anything you want us to talk about, feel free to jump on tfg at landscapingvictoria.com.au. Send us a couple of uh, emails. Let, let us know what you think. Otherwise, there is a speak pipe access that uh, you can leave us a voicemail on our website. Um, other than that, guys, we'll see you next time on The Front Garden. 